Welcome. Welcome back to Studio Secrets A to Z podcast. I'm Anthony J. Resta, your host. And we're going to be doing a series of bonus episodes on some of the band projects that I get involved with. And um, today we're going to start out with a, a really amazing band project called Electric Lecture. And I have a special guest here with us today, who is also the producer of the podcast, Greg Anson, who is a, a member of Electric Lecture. Welcome, Greg. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, we're going to start off with these bonus episodes with Electric Lecture. It's just been a kind of a dream come true for me to be able to collaborate with um, Greg and Bronson. Um, Bronson, Wisconsin is the third member. Bronson Talby. Bronson, yeah. Wisconsin is his band name. I know. I love that, though. And um, yeah, the, the, it's every song is is a little bit different, but we're going to go into some of our modus operandi uh, and talk about like how these things go together, and we can apply this to music production in general because every project um, you work with is going to be a little bit different. If, if you're if you've done production work, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's you know some sometimes you take on the role of uh, you know an enabler or a catalyst, and other times you you get your hands you roll up your sleeves and you get in and add you know, per guitars or percussion or whatever. So this, yeah, it's different in uh, in every project. On With Electric Lecture, even song by song, it's different. But Greg and Bronson are really sort of the nucleus of the band, and they come up with a lot of the, 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 the foundations for these songs. And then they bring me in as a producer and sometimes co-writer, um, most times. And, you know, we, we kind of just have this really cool chemistry. And it, it's, it's when you have a good chemistry with a, a band project, things just, they just happen like without you having to think too much about it. And that's that's kind of one of the things I want to talk about is gut instinct in production. Like, you know, think, think these, you do this long enough and you start to make decisions quicker. And uh, I think a lot of music production today, the people have too many choices. You know, we, we, when I first started out, we, we did everything on two-inch, 24-track tape, and you really didn't have a zillion options. I mean, you you know, you, you had to kind of make decisions as you went. And, and, you know, when we do mixes for other people, oftentimes getting 200 tracks and, you know, playlists on top of playlists and on top of playlists, you know, it's a whole different uh, way of thinking. And I think what we've done with Electric Lecture is kind of mix the new the new way of production with the old way, you know. And, and what we come up with is... is for me, just really, really rewarding. Um, so anyway, yeah, and you got you guys are kind of like you and Cariati, like are. Or like a genius workers. Now we have a little bit better studio setup, but for most of this record, we were at our rehearsal space, and you know, like what Anthony was saying. But I think me and Bronson might have been the opposite. There are some songs where we probably should have set up another microphone, you know. Um, but I think it kind of goes to show that, like, it really. Like you were saying about gut instincts and stuff, um, the group really didn't start um, as like a group or anything. I mean, uh, Bronson and I, um, when he lived in Los Angeles, um, I mean, we would go to the Honeypot podcast and, you know, we're friends through the brothers and known each other for a while. And um, he just needed a place to put his equipment and so did I. So it kind of was just one of those things of like we just started doing, you know, we had a day a week where we could just write songs and do each other's music, you know, outside of like the other bands we were in. And um, I think... You know, and having known Anthony for so long that, like, whatever music I do, I'm going to, you know, eventually have him and, you know, Cariati uh, mix it just because. And, you know, Anthony adds so much more than just, you know, mixing. You know, he's the whole I've learned so much from his production technique. But um, 
I think it kind of goes to show, um, you know, just how you work with people and just um, making things happen. I mean, it, it sometimes as much as just setting a time and showing up, you know, really like, I mean, that's I, the I th- discipline. Yeah. Yeah. And. I don't know. That was never a problem with Bronson, and it's never been a problem with you. And uh, and also too, um, we have our friend Jeff Gray, who you know comes down absolutely every so often and just rips out you know a bunch of. He's like the riff master, and you know you know he's, he's awesome live too. We we did our show. We have yeah. a show coming up too. We'll talk and, about and that. And he's helped. And he's helped with words too. So yeah. I mean, it's all it's all like it's all kind of a teamwork. But but Jeff's more like not loosey goosey, but when he would show up or like talk to him about it. So I think it, it's kind of a whole whole kind of collaboration Absolutely. thing. But um, I think you wanted to get on to showing um, some specific examples of kind of the production elements that you add. Because a lot of our songs, uh, sometimes, sometimes Anthony comes down and helps and writes with the words. But I really only think that was a couple songs. I know on Three Cheers, yeah. you pushed us to actually, to, as we were mixing, to write a chorus. And, and I mean, no, you helped You yeah. helped us, but it was like, it was like, it could have been more like the last hour of like, <laughs> hey guys, like, there's We did a bridge no, on one of them too, I don't remember. Yeah, I think that one too, but okay. that one you were like mixing and you're like, you know, there's no... Call me old fashioned, but I still like bridges in songs. I mean, you almost <laughs> never hear them anymore. It's like out of style, but I think I, the bridge to me is like, what I call the sorbet. It's like a, a chance to kind of get a different message and kind of get contemplative about what the song's really about and kind of just get away from what you've got and then, bam, go back. And it just, for me, it's a lot more interesting. But anyway, let's start off with one of these. Yeah, want, yeah. What's the no, first I that, track? That, no, I think that's a great segue because yeah. um, in terms of bridges, because the first one we have is um, Beam Me Up. And um, our original bridge was a little bit, um, I don't really want to call it like reggae, but it was like a, a, a tempo. It was definitely something different that feel. different feel. And, and I knew it, it might work for another band, but I knew in giving it to you, <laughs> you would just instantly turn everything off. And just like, <laughs> like some things I just know when I you work with I do, Anthony yeah. and like the thing I like about it is like, and I, and this is just going back to like, years of knowing him and just a different world. I know if I give him something and, you know, between him and Cariati and it's really terrible, like it's going to be changed. And it's like nowadays people have to be very nice about stuff. But I think in the grand scheme of things, when you're writing a song, um, you know, the song is more important than any one performance. And um, so like, so for something like this bridge, um, Bronson's vocals were absolutely amazing. I don't know if the music behind it absolutely fit, you know. Yeah, I don't know what sent me off in the direction that I went in, but I, I just heard this sort of George Martin-esque string quartet kind of feeling, and that's what we added. Let me play that for you. Sure.
cool, man. I had forgotten about the tubas. Yeah, you can't yeah. really hear that too much in the final mix, but uh, if people are interested, we're going to have the links to these songs in the uh, text, so you guys can you know go check it out on Spotify and listen for, to yourself for how they all it all came together. But that was a really uh, this is a really special song for me. I, I just love this one. Yeah, yeah, it, it was it was fun. It was fun for us to write in this this kind of bridge kind of like I said before it. Um, you know, we didn't, we didn't, we did not have that in the tracks we gave you. You know, it was, you know, and, and the Bronson's vocals were there, of course, um, with, with Anthony adding his. I, I think you had some backgrounds, backgrounds on it, but it would, you know, it, it just makes the song because it takes what is somewhat like a bluesy country thing, yeah. and then all of a sudden it's like the Beatles, yeah. you know, right in the middle of it. And it all fits. It's, it's not cool. Like, and the intro, too, is another thing we did, that long intro on it, which oh, was yeah, cool. Yeah, the the intro to this, I mean, we, we just like intros, but that was that was kind of like a separate piece. Exactly, like a segue. It, and it was very strange because... Um, um, you would you had something, and Bronson of course came up. It had to be an F because the song's in G, so it made sense. But what you had just randomly that happened was, to yeah. be yeah, it happened to be an F. You That's know? so weird. It's yeah, just, that was just a, a total coincidence. That's yeah. the fun thing that with this project is so many weird cosmic coincidences happened on this. And beam me up is you almost get the feeling like you're being you know abducted by aliens when you listen to the whole track. This next track is uh, called Reverse Evolution, and I believe it was the very first one that we worked on yeah yeah and it was the first song that bronson and i wrote together um i don't i didn't even have we we just like i said we just got in the space and i didn't even have our um interface yet so i know like our first session like with um like one of the original drum loops and one of the guitar loops and we might have even sang it i don't think we'd started writing words yet but like i would like um have him play to a click recording to my my little uh what is it my little two track recorder cuz i had the preamps but i and then i'd get it into the computer and just sync it up you know cuz i had pro tools and logic but i didn't have a way to get it in there in there so you just play it how you played it and just you know you know it's easy to sync stuff up once you have one track and a click you know so yeah no he would play to logic and then i would record it yes yeah, so it was really the first <laughs> just kind of doing things like sort of primitively but sometimes that the results are really amazing and what i love about this song is is just lyrically it's got so much it's got a lot of sarcasm in it but it's it's funny it was almost prophetic in a way because you know a couple of years later now everything in the song is way more pertinent than when it was written so we we're actually thinking of uh re-releasing it because it's actually more today than when we wrote it don't you think without a doubt and i would i uh i always have i've done a few like vid- alternate videos but i've never found the right all the right footage but like showing stuff in reverse you know that that's oh, that like cool. that's like you know bombs exploding or like flowers opening I, I have a little bit of it but it's like yeah and um like you said um um i mean we we wrote this i think we got the space in um 218 or 219 you know so you know it's just whenever it came out we wrote we wrote it like four or five months before but yeah definitely it's it's funny how things um things uh things happen like that and this song sort of ended up being like kind of like a vanguard for the direction of the band in general i mean like the the elements of this um song ended up sort of establishing like a lot of our favorite 
influences together, you know, Tom Petty, Beck, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, mixing these different styles, um, you know, 90s pop with classic rock. I mean, all these things that ended up actually being sort of like a, the mainstay, um, their, their roots are in this song. So uh, For when, sure. you, when you check that out, you'll be able to kind of hear the, the, the where it all came from. And the clip we're going to hear... Um um, me and Bronson had pretty much, um, when we gave it to Anthony to do his magic, um, we didn't have, like, you did this little breakdown where it's going to start, and then you reached back out to Bronson and myself, and you're like, I don't know if the ending, if we just want to go back to another chorus, because there's a lot of choruses in the song, and you guys you and Cariotti did a good job of like taking our music and making, you know, stopping the beat and making choruses seem like double. You, you told us that we needed something at the end, like a different section. Oh, that's with right. Like, I forgot about that. With like, um, either some words from the song or something. And, you know, um, Bronson is unbelievably creative like that. And I think like when I told them that critique and we went back to the space, I mean, I think we thought about it for about two minutes and, Kind of sometimes when you're doing these type of sections, it's this is like don't want to give away all the songwriting tech tricks, but um, sometimes when you're looking for a section like that, go back and look for some words in the song that are maybe not in the chorus yep. that really mean something, and that's what we did in this. And just so we took some other words, it might be in the chorus, I don't know, but we took some other words. And sang them in a different way. It's one of my favorite parts of the song. Oh my god! I don't know how he, how you did this recorder because playing this live, saying these words, or just saying them, like forget about pitch, just saying are so fast. It's so fast to get <laughs> and not sound like you're slopping the words. You know, you hit certain syllables. But here we'll play it. <laughs> It's like epilogue <laughs> off into the sunset. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Love that part. It was fun live, too, because everybody sings. And Je Jeff was pretty instrumental in some of the songs. Yeah, he, he didn't. This was not one of the songs that. Uh, the early ones. No, he, he. Three Cheers, I do believe he wrote. Um, he wrote some of the um, the music with us. Okay. But th this song, no, th th this was just me and Bronson when we wrote the words. I love the original video for this song. It has us like cartoon versions of us, like in boats and stuff. <laughs> yes. My kids absolutely love that. They laughed so hard. That when was, it. that's so funny because um, I know that was done um, like right as COVID started. Because that was like. When we filmed that, 
that first week at my place, the the part with the puppets, um, it was just me and uh, this guy Joe, um, and Asia, my girlfriend, and uh, yeah, it was like just breaking out, you know. I was like, oh, what it's the fuck? It's such a cool technique. Um, that's one of the advantages of having somebody like Greg in the the band. Is besides you know being a great musician, he's also a visual artist and a filmmaker, and you know being able to come up with those extra concepts like just it's icing on the cake and it makes it even even more fun for us I, for, I forgot about that video that like in hindsight I would have I, I would have done it but I would have done it in another way <laughs> it would have been a lot easier <laughs> technique wise cool yeah that's a great track and we that link is going to be in there too we'll have all the links for you guys to check out the full songs on Spotify okay this next track is um, one of the later songs I think we did it towards the end of the album even though we started it much earlier. It was one of those songs that we came up with some concepts and then we got away from it and then we came back to it. But the the, the main riff of the song was actually an Instagram post of mine from a few years ago. And it was I, I was in the studio in Nashville, New Hampshire, and I had this sort of the same pedal they used on Satisfaction, an early 60s um, Maestro Fuzz pedal. And I was just playing around with this riff and I recorded it on my phone and posted it on Instagram and that was it. And then every now and then, I don't know, every three, four, five months, whatever, I'd be scrolling through things and I'd come across it and I'd be like, what is that riff? And it was, it, it, there was something about it that sounded like a familiar 60s song, you know? And I'm like, where did I steal that from? And eventually, I kind of feel like I, I was like, okay, well, maybe I didn't steal it. Maybe it's actually something new. But, you know, anyway, <laughs> that's how we started the song. We loaded it in off of Instagram up at Greg's rehearsal space, Greg and Bronson's rehearsal space, and we loaded it in off Instagram and got it on a grid and started programming beats and stuff. And that's all we had. And we just kind of jammed on that for a while. And uh, I don't know, just that day, we, we got a bulk of the music. Yeah, we, we, we um, yeah, exactly like you said. Um, you had me loop it in my computer, or get in the computer. We found the BPMs, made a loop of it. Um, and by then, you and Bronson were already like, you had that dee 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 dee, the other counter line. Yeah. You had him that day play the part again. Like, I know the sample's in there. I know he played it too. And like, I don't know. I don't think you did the drums that day. No, um, I think that was the second time. The second time, but but it pretty much, but it pretty much came together as one of those things. Like we talked about, by the time I'd sampled the riff. You'd gone into Apleton and made, because Anthony's king of beats, made a few beats. The other parts, you played a Barry part to it. Bronson played, I think, I think Bronson's playing 12-string acoustic or something. I love that. Um, there's probably two parts, I mean, because um, some of his parts are like, yeah. Um, and I know, I know you played, I know you played the Barry and maybe another part because the Barry is just, Barry guitar is so unlike Bronson's like playing. It's like the exact opposite. When I when I went back to it like a year later, I'm like, that's Anthony. That's not Bronson playing. So it was great. It, it ended up having this little bit of like an XTC flavor. And we we're all fans of XTC, like especially Black Sea and English Settlement. I don't know. It wasn't a conscious thing at all. But when, when it was all done, I was like, wow, there's something about this that kind of reminds you of XTC, which is uh, you know really kind of kind of special for us. And uh, lyrically, the, yeah, yeah, let's play the riff and then we can oh, talk yeah, yeah, about yeah, the yeah, yeah, lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> 
that's cool. That's the riff. Um, we ended up, I think, in different parts of the song. We did we did layer up it, and all those breakdowns where it's like just that. It's that's the post from Instagram. And during the mix, I Cariati loaded it in again because we just wanted to see if it sounded different on the breakdown, and it was, it was it, exactly the same. Yeah, it, it, it was it was it was actually amazing because you like. Some of those things, I think, and this is what I've learned from Cariotti and you, but, like, sometimes his key of mixing is to do nothing. Yeah. Like, to know when something, like, even though it's recorded over Instagram, when, you know, and, like, you did it on your phone, you're listening to it on your phone, when it's on these good speakers... It yeah. might just be perfect. Yeah. Like, you don't have to run it through all the... Because all I did was load it from your phone. Yeah. And it might have converted in whatever, but yeah. that's Pro Tools. They have good things. Yeah. And we found the tempo. And I know Bronson played to it, but I know, like you said, because that was the only place in making this clip that I thought of it, but then it is later. And yeah, and you can hear definitively there in that clip that there's two there's two different things of it. So one of them is your sample, and yeah. one it's awesome. Yeah, it's just such a that's a great point that you know in the day and age of a zillion plugins and a zillion, you know, all these this gear like you know you get sessions from people and every song every track has like ten plugins on it. Like sometimes you don't really need a ton of stuff to you know. Sometimes it's less is more. I know that sounds archaic, oh. but. <laughs> like not to be whatever, but just having done a few drum sessions recently, I mean, you know, you you take the time to set up the mics, and you put them, you know, in in where they should be, and you make sure that they're recording to where they should be. You're hitting the compressors nice and hot, and if the person is good, when you go back to mix them, if you then just, you know, simply you know, do a send of all of them do like a good compressor. Yeah. You, and you blend the real sound with the other sound. You are going to have an amazing start. Like yeah, even if you even yeah. if your room is crappy like our old space, like you can EQ out things, but it's like a good drummer's performance is going to shine through. Yeah, you know? ultimately, I think it's like the same thing with guitar like a lot of people I see these funny the funny meme posts where it's like it's all in the fingers, and they show like like nine million pedals. <laughs> uh, you know, so yeah, it's it's the there's that you know, but it, it's funny like the source sound in in recording and production is really an under uh, respected and uh, you know it's not it's it's way more important than people give it credit well, for, well, especially now. Well, there, there there's two distinct things. There's two completely different things. Like if if you're playing a lot of gigs and you're you you have to make your sound from your amp. I'm talking as a yeah. guitar player. You make your sound from your amp, and you, you don't rely on the house guy. You know you have to have your reverbs and delays, and you want to make it sound good in the room. That's completely different than recording a guitar because when you record. Sometimes when you have that stuff on there, there's too much, and yeah. and and your performance might be perfect, but when you go to expand it, the reverb's gonna wash it all. Where when you're in a room, that's fine, but not for the epic recording. You yeah, know? yeah. So you have less control too if you have, if everything's like a wash together. You, there's really not a lot you can do when, when things are and, not separated. And I'm not even really talking a wash. I'm talking about like you know putting a, a thick chorus yep. and a few things on that like hey it's cool but usually like um some of the monster players that do that live 
on the records, everything's double tracked. Yeah. And double tracked perfectly. Right. You know, it's like, I'm thinking of like Zach Weil from Ozzy. Yeah. He plays with a lot of chorus live, but on his stuff in the studio, it's all double tracked perfectly. Yeah. Because yeah. he's a great guitar player, you know. So th- there are those two. That's the character that's in a person's yep. hands, their, 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 their rig, whatever. Like one of the earliest um, memories for me of that coming together was I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Fleetwood Mac Rumors album it kind of dates me but I just I mean that sold like 40 million copies or something and it's just from a songwriting standpoint from a production standpoint from there's just so many great things about that that album and I've, I always love that you know the feel of the drums and the sound of the drums although they it's a long story but they had to kind of bounce them twice and all that but anyway one day I was going through like YouTube just surfing stuff and there was like this uh, live recording of Fleetwood Mac doing a sound check and it was, and he starts playing and he's hitting the drums. And I'm like, that sounds exactly like the album. And it's, this is like on some random stage through a VHS camera. So that, that's what I'm talking about is the, the personality of the person. Oh and, yeah. And the character of where it comes from is what you're trying to capture a lot of times. And you, you it's really easy to miss the forest for the trees. Well, so, well I, I think, I think, and this is, and I still think this is true today as it was since the pretty much dawn of recording of time, is like, people, there are a few people in this world who have an amazing voice and are amazingly talented. And it really doesn't matter what they sing, what style. It's just like, I don't think people want to hear, like, I can sing some stuff, but I sound like, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's, it is what, you know, there are, like you're saying, and, and that's true on every instrument, but in pop music, it really boils down to something that you almost don't have control of, you know? Sure. You know? So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good, good point to, to share with people because I think, I think there's a lot of people discovering that now and that's one of the things that gives... Well, song's personality. Well, and I think being a producer and being a person in this world of, you know, um, I go out occasionally and see groups and stuff. And there are times when, you know, there's three people at the show and the person on stage is just amazing. Yeah. Like, not amazing, like, they could, they're, they're just something absolutely unique. And that's out there more than you think. Yeah. And, and it is. It does take something to get that to tape and get that to the world because that person might not be able to do that, you know, in terms of like whether it's getting something down, getting the idea out. And, you know, if you can help do that, that's a big role, too. Absolutely. It's it's one of the the joys of music production. We have um, one more track. Cool. Let's move on. Um, It is Losing My Mind. Yeah. Losing my mind. Um, this this ended up being like one of the most epic productions on the um, album, and it, it didn't really start out that way. And this is one of the topics I was thinking about for this when I was you know, making my notes on my phone earlier. Was you know some when when it comes to music production, there's different ways of approaching things, and I have this thing that I for me sometimes it's like finger painting. It's like you know you have a, a basic concept, but you don't know exactly where it's going to go until you start trying stuff you know so you know I'm very experimental by nature and I have been for my whole career and a lot of times I'll try 
20 or 30 different things before I find that one thing that makes me go, oh, my God, that's it. So it takes a lot of patience to sift through stuff and find that, I guess, it's like it's like a DNA. It's like the seed of what makes it valid, you know. And it, it takes experience and a lot of, uh, you know, it takes experience to be able to recognize it because it's easy to miss. Even for me, I miss it sometimes, you know. So, But anyway, that started to happen with the song and, it, and the evolution of the whole thing throughout the song just keeps going and going and going. And you have to listen to the, the link for, to hear the whole song to understand what I'm talking about. But by the end, it's kind of like a cacophony of uh, ideas. <laughs> and, and for me, it was probably the closest I ever got to, you know, the Sergeant Pepper way of thinking. You know, I'm definitely a Beatles fanatic and I've been accused of, uh, you know, borrowing stuff for them. But for me, they, they're the, the encyclopedia of music production. And it gets a little kitchen sinky in that outro, but it, I get thrilled every time I listen to it. So that's, yeah, that's, that was the evolution this, of this song. Let's fire that up. <laughs> some experiments going on there. <laughs> well, well, also too I uh I know that um the ending of that we, you know, this was one that we gave we, we gave you a little bit of a palette at the end. There was not I think you might have had Bronson re-sing those vocals at the end um or they might have been augmented in there. a little bit. Yeah, we didn't really we didn't we, there was none of that in the um the Spanish voice. I was going to mention that. That's you. you That's me. That. And that was that was in the second verse. And then you took it and you didn't use all of it there, and you put some of it later. And it's yeah, re- really good, really good use of stuff. Yeah, that that reminded me of the Clash a little bit. Like what's that song? That, oh yeah, it was uh, like that was where I got inspired. Oh, should I say or should I? I love go? it. Love it though. I mean, it's one of the, my favorite parts of the song. And the the guitar solo from that was this funny little box that Go Nakamura. Um, turned me on to it's a, called a kaleidoscope <coughs> is that the is that the white one the, little, yeah, the yellow thing oh no, no it's got a oh. mic it's got a mic on it yeah, you, so what i do I is i stick it in front of the amp and i just jam you know and then go back and then you can like reverse stuff and change the pitch of it and 
this one thing, I, I, it was really quick. It sounds like hours of work, but I just, I, I hit the button on it and what you hear in the solo was how it came out of that little yellow box. Oh, I, was, it, I was shocked. In time? In like, time. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it was, awesome. there's no time code. Awesome. There's no bars. There's nothing. And I, I just hit the button and it was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so some, there's cosmic coincidences that uh, w- when they fall in your favor that really it's the magic. Well, well I think I think that's kind of, I mean, you know, like hopefully, hopefully we'll keep making lots of records with this group. But also, too, it's partially... I think there is some type of magic in, um, I don't want to say no pressure, but a lot of this music of of Electric Lecture was, we did it, I mean, we did it because of, there wasn't really time constraints. No deadline. And no deadline. And just because, hey, that's cool. Everyone involved um, really was on the same kind of level about, you know, what the project was about. Um, and, and, and when you have that, it's really easy, um, you know, to write words, to think of, you know, melodies. I mean, they're kind of coming from everywhere. And, you know, um, Bronson's really, um, um, you know, when, when I suggest some word ideas, you know, sometimes if he doesn't 100% agree with it, he'll he'll ask me, like, what was I thinking about that stuff? Yeah. And, a lot of times, because that's what I do with other people when I'm songwriting, and a lot of times I find that if and he'll do what I do is he'll write down what I say, yeah. And a lot of times that's where the words are, and vice versa. Like if I'm asking him, and I know when me and you have written songs, that's usually how most of your songs come out. You yeah. don't even realize it. Yeah. You just say the whole song, and I'll like be like, I'll write down, I'm like, dude, and he's like, oh, I said that. You're like, yes, you did. That was dreaming in subtitles. The my second solo album, uh, I could have never done it without Greg because I tend to. This is why you need a producer. Like when I'm doing my own songs, Greg was producing, and I I actually got outside of myself, and he's like, dude, you got one guitar in the chorus. That's all you need. Like you, sometimes you don't need a million parts. You need the right parts, and sometimes you know having a producer helps you sort that all out. Oh, you know? oh, and and like on that, like I know, like especially best days of our lives, like and and um, I know, like just. Because we just come here, some of those parts, like some of those amazing guitar solos, like bam, 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 you did them in a night. Like I was just like, this needs it, and you came in the next day. I think sometimes stuff like that versus um, when when you know I work on a bunch of stuff myself, and um, you don't know what hits someone till you play it to people. You don't know what story resonates to people until you show it to people. Because I've written stories, like short stories, for some of the movie stuff and some of the short story writings i published. And I've had stories that, like, I've shown to people and been like, I don't think I'll like this. And they're like, this is great, you know? Because maybe it's on a topic or a character or something that you're not comfortable with, but other people are fine with. No, that's really interesting. That's kind of Rick Rubin talks a lot about that sort of thing, like just how how you know how the way things hit you. It's it's just a whole, you know, it, it's just a different different way of looking at things. It's it's like object objectively, you know, it, it's because art. There's no right or wrong yeah. in art, so it's like it, 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 and being a musician, you know, of the people I know, the people who have the biggest opinion about music and the most passionate ones to put it nicely are musicians like i don't know in a lot of people i 
you know, work with or in contact with or some form of musician or have. And so when you step outside of that, you know, why do people like music? It's because it's a good song. It connects with them. That's it. That's nothing more. And like a lot of the music that musicians like the general public will never connect with because it's it's on a different level. You know, one of my favorite things on this topic is Frank Zappa because he's such a great speaker. And one of the things he says in one of his interviews is like, we were better off with the cigar chomping guys that like, I don't know, let's see what happens. You know, like rather than like, you know, getting all wrapped up in data and like research. And he said, we were better off with guys that just like, I don't know, let's just see what happens, you know? You know, and there's some truth to that. I think in some respects we're missing out on some of the best music because the people that in control really... You know, they have a formula that you have to have your demographics. You have to have your data. Yeah, you have I to have a million YouTube followers. You know, I'm just saying in some respects that oh, sure. misses the boat. Sure, but but some sometimes it, it it's a little circular in that yeah. like that's that's our world today. We don't have airplay, sure. but I kind of funny when you were thinking about that and all the AI stuff coming yep. out, and you know, even if songs are generated by a computer completely, it's still the general public to curate it and say it's good. Like, that's the thing about AI. It's like, until it does something that's good, it's just another thing that like, and the thing is like, let's say you're doing it at your studio. Like, what you think is good might not be what is good. You know, like all the songs that my lifetime that have become popular that I didn't particularly like when they came out and maybe still don't, but it's just the way music is. And like, I see that with AI until it comes out with something that connects. It's really nothing more than a gimmick. Then when it connects, it's like, well, then they're going to be curators of the AI. Well, with AI, this is what, what I, my limited experience and this is a cool topic to end up end with is I think the, the prompts that you give the AI. Oh yeah. Is, oh yeah. It's going to be an art. That's going to be an art. People are going to pay for prompts because, you know, <laughs> it, it's only as good as what you put in it. And I actually had it help me with the lyrics of a song that I'm working on recently. And what it came up with for the first half hour was so horrible, right? <laughs> but I kept giving it crap. I'm like, come on, think more like John Lennon. Like, too, you know, use more imagery. Not everything has to rhyme. You know, get more psychedelic. You know, Tangerine Dreams, Marmalade Skies. Come on. I was literally giving the thing crap for half an hour, and it started to get it. It's like you have to train it. So oh, sure. I, I think I, I, we're on the same point of yeah. it. It's like it's it's not going to do it without... The right input. But, but the thing is, it's like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm and that's kind you. of exciting. I mean, I actually got a few lines out of it that I really liked. Oh, I, I mean, I, I've been fooling around with a lot of the art generators, and I, I'm exactly with you. I'm just I'm just fascinated by, like, when you say these, the most strangest things and what it what it, what it comes just, up with. Yeah, and, like, my friend says eyes, teeth, nose. It has a real problem with. So when you look at stuff, faces are always really strange. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Because well, there's so many expressions. And, like, whether they're working from a picture or trying to get it, that's the hardest thing, you know, about I've it. No, I've noticed that. That's cool. Well, awesome, Greg. Thanks for being our guest today. And uh, this is the first bonus uh podcast on uh, electric lecture and guys check out all the links um you know i recommend um listening to them you know as you listen to the podcast so you can kind of 
jump in on everything and get the whole gist of it. But thanks for coming. This is Studio Secrets A to Z signing off. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.